<laughs> so, last week, we had a Thanksgiving message, and we talked about the history of Thanksgiving in our nation, just a little bit, a glimpse of how that started, and help us to be mindful of God's intervention in this little nation uh, at its beginnings and how we wouldn't probably even be a nation had he not intervened with mercy and provision in those, uh, those first months and years. And we're thankful. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to be thankful in all things. And that's uh, that little word all is powerful in the sense that we know that there's tremendous tragedy in the lives of every person who ever lives sorrow and pain that we all suffer and endure, some worse than others. But the Bible says to be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for each of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the stories of uh, of the Bible that I like to remind me of the power and, and correctness of being thankful to God is uh, is in Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19 I think you'll find the story of the ten lepers. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he entered into a small village and ten lepers approached and begged him to heal them. Jesus, as was not just sometimes his practice, but always healed them. And as they were leaving, one of the lepers came back and thanked Jesus for what he had done. Jesus' response to him was, weren't there ten of you? <laughs> Where are the other nine? But in the, I think it's the 19th verse, you see that this one leper who returned to give thanks wasn't just healed, Physically, but he was made whole. And I'm going to jump around a little bit 
But you remember the teachings about spirit, soul, and body? How we're three-part beings, just like our Holy Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we are spirits. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. If He's made us in His image, it's only proper to assume that He's created us as a spiritual being, which we are. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, we are spirit, soul, and body. So that soul, which is the the non-physical part of us that we are aware of. Most people are aware of this, their soulish realm. Have no clue about their spiritual identity. But they're aware that there's a, a, a part of them that's not physical. That's their personality, their mind, their will, and emotions. That's our soul. And then our body. So, at salvation, our spirit is renewed, made perfect, that Satan's hold on us, his demonic influence... And that corrupted seed that we got from the Garden of Eden when they fell, passed along to all of us, is evicted. The Spirit of God is renewed within us. Our spirit is renewed and then sealed with the Holy Spirit. So that part of our salvation is done. But the soul is what we're working on now. And then the body will follow suit. When we get home, we'll get a new one. So... When it says that this leper who returned, he, the others were healed physically. Jesus is good to everyone. God caused the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Rain in this sense being a good thing, as if you're a farmer in need of that rain to cause the crops to grow. So he's good to everyone. We studied last week in Romans 1 that... He has made himself known to everyone by the things that were created. So no one is has excuse. And those who ignored him and did not thank him or give him glory as God, their hearts were hardened. And their thoughts became futile. And their darkened hearts were hardened, it says in Romans 1, I think 21. But I like... The fact that the one who returned and gave thanks, he was not just healed, which is the thing they were wanting, but he was made whole. He was saved, redeemed, and made whole. He, He received the greater blessing. And I don't think that all of the others were unnecessarily or necessarily ungrateful. I think they were astonished and excited and they knew who they had to go see. They wanted to show the people that mattered to them. And I can, I, I can see that happening. But the one who was wise returned to give thanks because without that 
blessor, he would not have received the blessing. And I think it's good for us to keep that in mind in all things, no matter what. I, I remember one year we were watching and you know how the president always uh, pardons a turkey <laughs> around Thanksgiving <laughs> and Tavana says, hey, that's like us, you know, we were like that turkey destined, <laughs> destined for to be killed <laughs> and we had it coming, but we were pardoned, you know, and I said, that's right, that's right. But there's power in being thankful. The Bible talks about it nonstop. Those who gave thanks, those who were positive, those who stood in faith to God, those who were thankful to God, who loved God, all those who esteem God highly and keep Him the center of their focus are always receiving the supernatural blessing of God. And those who don't, are left to their own devices, which generally are circling the drain. <laughs> There's a story in the book of Acts about Paul and Silas. They were locked up in prison. 16th chapter, somewhere around the 25th verse. And they were chained probably to a pole or to each other. And they had been beaten and... They were down in the depths of this dungeon. And at midnight, instead of complaining and moaning, they were praising God and singing to God His praises. And an earthquake came. And it, the, all the doors of all the cells flung open and all the chains fell off. And we know that that's not the normal procedure of a normal earthquake right it doesn't just make locks come undone so god had intervened and I, a lot of people love to say that that was god tapping his foot to their praise and worship because it was an extenuating circumstance you know it's easy to praise god in good times but these men if their faith was going to come into question it, it might have been sometime like that you know <laughs> out doing his work, trying to do his will, and and everywhere he went, Paul got thrown into jail and beat. <laughs> but he never lost his faith, and they were praising God, and the chains all fell off. But I noticed in that story that none of the prisoners left. The guards come running in, and they were going to kill themselves because they would be killed in the Roman army for letting prisoners escape. And Paul says, hold on. Don't do any harm to yourself. We're all here. We're all here. And I'm, you know, you have to wonder why. I mean, even Paul, you know, maybe as Christians, we're supposed to, to uh, submit to authority and, and obey the law and everything. But there are a lot of people in that prison who probably were not Christians. And for them to stay... That anointing had to really be strong. They were probably really enjoying them. They, they, they knew that they were in the presence of something special. And I can just see God showing off that way in those situations. But you know, he needs, he needs uh, 
he needs someone like us to uh, to partner with in that situation. We're his hands and feet, and without faith, there will be no signs, no wonders, no miracles. Has to be somebody there, even like we talked about last week, where the friends dropped down the friend in the basket before Jesus' feet, and he was healed because of their faith. But there was still faith involved. There's a there's another great example. I just talk about it quickly probably better I don't have my notes today but everyone is familiar with Moses and how God sent him back finally after he got Moses out of Moses right and that extra 40 years in the wilderness so at 80 he goes back and he gets the Hebrews out of slavery after some trials and they're leaving Egypt and they're wealthy they leave with all the gold of everybody that were their captors and uh, so they left and they were in a good situation didn't take long before they were in a bad situation again with their backs to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's heart had turned against them again and he went after them with his armies and chariots of war you know and so here they come, and they had their backs to the sea, and God did something supernatural, didn't he? He used that same stick that he had given Moses that turned into a snake and scared Moses initially, but he had, he had, he had worked a lot of miracles with that, that little stick that God gave him. Of course, it was God working through him, but he parted the Red Sea, and all of the Hebrews passed through on dry land. Great walls of water on both sides. And as soon as they got across, <clears throat> the army of Pharaoh went in pursuit. God let loose the waters and killed them all, including Pharaoh. It's not like the movie. The Bible tells us that even Pharaoh was killed in that and so, wisely, they all, this is around Exodus chapter 15, just, just before, is, in 14 is when this happened. And in Exodus 15, the whole chapter is dedicated to the entire, uh, all the tribes of Israel giving thanks to God for his amazing acts on their behalf, his goodness, his mercy, his protection. And they sang songs, they they did, they did all these wonderful things and prayed. And then Miriam, Moses' sister, she takes all the women after that. And they go around dancing with tambourines and singing praises and more songs of praise and thanks to God. That's wise. And it tells us all through the Bible to, to, to make remembrance. And they used to erect monuments and, and things to remind them of all the wonderful things that God had done. And now we have days of remembrance, like Thanksgiving, which is a good thing, especially if we keep it in godly, uh, in a godly way, and we teach the young people the the uh, the traditions of thankfulness to God and how we are always to be mindful of God and thank Him for everything that He's accomplished and how our entire uh, 
nation was built around God and his values, even though there were some terrible times and terrible wrongs, um, that because of God, just like we were talking about, we've overcome uh, those things and we'll continue to overcome every obstacle as long as we keep turning back to God and, and don't push him out of our culture, which is seems to be the tendency. But I really believe that the church is going to have great revival. And matter of fact, most of the prophets in the body of Christ believe that too. But just like uh, we talked about last week, Abraham Lincoln, when he gave his life finally to God, was was uh, on the battlefield of Gettysburg when he went down there and delivered that powerful sermon. And he saw all those all those soldiers. You know, we lost, I think it was 60,000 American boys were lost in that one battle. And, you know... Uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of lives to fight against an evil of this nation and and it seems like we should remember those things instead of just focusing on the fact about the thing they were fighting about <laughs> you know but nevertheless god is god loves us and he wants us to be a part um, he wants to be a part of our lives matter of fact that's what we're created for but those people who don't remember to be thankful and just get their focus on the things of this life, the, the pride of life, uh, the things of this world, they will quickly become hardened toward God. And that's when we tend to open all the doors to the enemy into our life. And God is a gentleman, but he has spiritual laws in place that allow for his grace to flow in our life and also shuts it off. When the Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, I've come to know because I've learned more about God because that's what he wants us to do. Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases God, which means we can. So that's encouraging. And the more I learn of God, the more I realize he's not up there making judgment calls. That's one of the scriptures because I'm so fond of his amazing grace. I asked him, Lord, you know, you, you're, you oppose the proud to give grace to the humble, but you, you are love, you know. So I, was, I had trouble understanding some of his ways because his ways are not like our ways. So understanding God takes some time and revelation through the word and time spent with him. And the point is simply this. He's not making a judgment call on each and every case. Withhold this from Tavana. George has been good. Give him this. He's not like Santa Claus in the, with a naughty and nice list, especially with the new covenant. He's, he's put everything to our account regarding Jesus um, just because we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But the fact is, what it means is that he gives more grace to the humble and opposes the proud. He's not doing that on a case-by-case -case basis. His, his grace is already established. His law is already established. And we, are, we have free will to walk in it or to depart from it. And so as we depart from it, which means pride, we ourselves are putting ourselves in opposition to God. It's not him that's 
Oh, God's mad at me. No, God loves you. He's never changed. He's right where He was. Go back and find Him. You see? And to me, that was so helpful. Because some people go, well, that's condemning. You know, anytime you, you, you say that a Christian has any part to play, so many people go, well, that makes me feel condemned. Well, it should make you feel glad because to know that there's something you can do is very empowering. I'll be honest with you. And to know that uh, you can always do it, <laughs> that's, you know, you mean he never gets so mad at me that I can't run back to him? No, he's waiting. He's happy to see you and he loves you. But he's never going to come over where you are and agree with you in the gutter. He's going to still be yearning for you. He's going to, he's going to be, the Holy Spirit is going to be trying to reach you and, and continue to try and reach you until there may come such a time where your heart is so hardened or waxed so cold that you just can't even hear him anymore. And that will never happen with any of you. I'm just saying, that's the point. And it's not God who did it. It's the unbeliever who did it. By their perpetual, persistent unbelief and stiff-arming God over time that, to the point that they can't even hear Him anymore. You know, I, I love to see the sensitivity of, of you guys, you know, uh, regarding God. The softness, the tenderness toward God. All of you have, and I know each one of you differently, and I know that. And I, I just love that, because that shows me that he, he's, he's working in your life. He's with you. He's, he loves you. You love Him, and, and we don't love Him as much as we want to, as much as He loves us, but we want to. And that's, I love that about people, because believe me, I know others who, who aren't there. And uh, matter of fact, they think talk like that is silly foolish you know and they talk about luck and hard work and things like that and that's all that really applies or makes a difference in someone's life as far as they're concerned but it's not true it's not true at all the reason I talked about Moses and how they gave thanks and and spent time there in the wilderness giving thanks and making a special thing of glorifying God for all his amazing feats on their behalf is because right after that, they continued on through the desert. This is on the other side of the Red Sea. And just days into it, they experienced some trials. They got thirsty, and there was no water to drink. And they came to a place called Marah, and they thought that it was going to be okay. But the water there was bitter. It wasn't suitable for drinking. It was poison. And they began to complain and grumble and say some of the most fantastic things against God and Moses. After, you know, we mentioned the, the parting of the Red Sea, but all the other miracles he had caused to happen in Egypt to get them out of there the ten plagues he had cast on Pharaoh and all those things and how he had protected them from it with the blood of the lamb and all that. And then the parting of the Red Sea. And then they get into a, a predicament there. Plus they're wealthy. They, took the, they were slaves and they took the gold and everything of the, their own captors because God caused them to have a heart for these people and give it to them. 
So he had worked all these things in their lives, but they get to a place where they're thirsty and it looks bad. Uh, the, you know, the, the situation and circumstances look... They, I'm sure they thought about it for a little bit and figured for, to try to figure it out. And when they didn't see a positive way out of this mess, they turn against God and they turn against Moses. Moses took a tree, a stick, which is symbolic of the cross... He threw it into the bitter waters and it made them sweet. And they drank and they were happy again. But (laughs) the point here is how quickly we forget all of the wonderful things God has accomplished in our lives. The track record of faithfulness He's had in our lives when we run into hard times or situations. And we should take lessons from these stories in the Bible and remember not to do that. (laughs) And more so than at the Red Sea and at the waters of Marah and even up until the time of of Jesus coming, we have so much more than they did then. Although God was working with them and had blessed and protected and provided for them and they should have known it. Now, what was only type and shadow then with the wood and the water is reality for us. Jesus has already accomplished all of this for us. And we have rivers of living water that flow from our bellies And all of the blessings of God and the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for us who know Him. And if we would just believe and stand in faith and speak good things and positive things and and all of the and rehearse all of the successes and the wonderful things that God has accomplished in our past speak them and sing about them, sing praises to his name and be confident in his goodness and his willingness to do good things in our lives, then we will see more of the good things come to pass. Psalm 78, forgive me for the verse, it's a very long psalm, I want to say 41, but in Psalm 78, in the King James Version, it says, time and time talking about these people in the desert, they turned back in their hearts and they tempted the Holy One of Israel. In other words, they continued to go back to Egypt in their minds and hearts. Why did you bring us out here to suffer like this? Why did you, were you just going to leave us to die? Oh, we have this bread that would fall down from heaven every night and feed them, but we don't have any meat. And then he gives them all the, quail that they want and you know but it was endless complaining always complaining and time and time they turned back and it says they limited the holy one of Israel you know we can limit God by our grumbling and complaining and just uh, the opposite of that we empower him and the angels that are assigned to us to do his will We empower them by the praise and worship and saying good things and speaking words of faith.
That is one of the most powerful lessons that a Christian can learn. I don't know why I'm turning the pages. I can't see anything on there right now, but thank you, Lord, for restoring my vision. In Jesus' name. But I know personally that as as time goes by and just last week on our anniversary, it was our 10th anniversary from the day I got on my knees and asked the Lord to come into our home and our marriage and I would never ask him to leave. And uh, he's been faithful, you know. He's blessed us in so many ways that I can't even mention. But I like to reflect on those things. And the more I do, the more it encourages me and empowers me to stand in faith regarding the things that I'm dealing with at any particular time in my life now. And, you know, just like anyone else, we have trials and tribulations, and that's just part of life. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It doesn't say that we won't have to go through these valleys of our lives. We will. It just says that we don't have to be afraid, because no matter what, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And the times when the devil can get us, break us away from the flock and get us alone and start whispering these sweet lies in our eyes, in our ears, in our eyes, <laughs> sometimes our eyes, uh, that's, that's the times when we can feel the most alone. Like, well, for some reason, and usually we blame ourselves as something I've done, but for whatever reason, God's not with me right now and I have to deal with this on my own. That's the biggest mistake we can make because his promise is that he will never leave us. It's not contingent. When he gave us his peace in John fourteen twenty seven on that last fateful night, he made a point of saying, not as the world gives do I give to you. In other words, don't be afraid of me taking it away from you. I'm always with you. I'm always... In love with you, I'm always bigger than any mountain you can face. God is for you. What can man do to you? You know, the answer to all of this is just to remember how we, we spoke of Jesus as the rock a few weeks ago, I think. Jesus is that rock in our life. And, you know, <clears throat> with these, the, the Hebrews in the, the desert, you know, they came to, they were running out of water a lot. They lived in the desert, right? So they came to a place where they had nothing to, walk, to drink the, at the, the, the place called Meribah right there before they entered in. But this was just a few couple of years into their wilderness time of 40 years and they were at a place in Meribah and they God caused Moses to strike a rock with the staff and water came forth and they all drank 37 years later they're the same rock they're on their final approach into the promised land again they finally have circled the mountain enough times and 
All those who had complained and grumbled had died off as God said they would not be allowed to go in. And they were making their final approach to the promised land. And here they are at the same rock and the same problem again. That's when God told Moses to speak to the rock. And it would bring forth water for the people to drink. But Moses was ticked off. (laughs) Miriam, his sister, had just died. And the people were grumbling and complaining as usual. And talking of doing away with Moses and just... He was so frustrated with them. And instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock again. Twice this time with his staff. And water came forth. See, God is still good. Just like the healing the unthankful lepers. But Moses, because he didn't trust God enough to do as he had asked him to do, he didn't get to enter into the promised land. His whole life's work. But the point was he couldn't you know first of all Moses was representative of the law and to allow Moses who is picture of the law to lead the people into the promised land that would be a type and shadow saying that by keeping the law we will be able to get into the promised land by doing good by keeping you know don't dip, cuss, or chew, or go with them to do. And you would be self-righteous, and you would still fall short of the glory of God. So Moses had to be replaced with Joshua. The name of Yeshua, the same as Jesus. Type and shadow again, the old covenant. But that's who had to lead them into the promised land. And still, Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth the only life, the only way into that proverbial, across that proverbial Jordan River into the promised land is on a bridge made of an old rugged cross. Amen. Amen. And we thank God that we can trust him because he is good and he loves us. He's always going to be with us, but we need to build our house on the rock. We need Him to be center place and focus of our lives. And in everything we do, we should just be as... Annette was talking about how we've all come close and been through some things together and we have love and trust amongst us. That's how it needs to be with Jesus. Each person can't ride in on someone else's Christianity or coattails. It has to be an individual relationship. We're all going to stand alone before God one day. And we better know Him. We better know Him. And when we see Him, we need to be glad, not ashamed. We need to see Him and know Him as the friend that He is. To know that when we, every valley we walk through in this life, He was the friend there that with us that was closer than a brother the one that would never leave us or forsake us and that we always counted on him we always talked to him we consulted with him about everything in our life we went to him with our problems and our praises and our happiness and our sadness our questions and our celebrations that's how he wants to be he wants it to be just as I love the story of a minister that was asked to come and talk to an older gentleman who was not doing well. He was on his deathbed, I guess, and 
and he went to visit him and he asked him, he said, he said, is it all right if I pray with you? And he goes, well, I'm not very good at that. He goes, he goes, well, it's not hard. He goes, well, I just, I never have been good at it. I gave it up years ago. See that chair sitting there? And he said, yeah, he goes, I just pretend that Jesus is sitting in that chair every day and I talk to him just like I'm talking to you. And the minister says, well, sir, I think uh, you've perfected the art of prayer. You didn't give it up. (laughs) Can we read that? Does anyone know where that scripture is uh, about the... uh, the uh, building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the rock. I don't know if I have that right here. Matthew chapter 7, that's right. Read that to me. It talks about the different... Those who built, one built one way and one built another. And I want to just hear that, if you don't mind. I really appreciate it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell. So the wise man that built on the rock is the one who not only hears the words of Jesus, but does them, applies them to their life, right? Keep going, I'm sorry. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. The rains, the floods, the winds, nothing could move that house because it was built on the rock. That's Jesus. What about the other guy? And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man The foolish man who heard Jesus' words but just didn't apply them. He might have known the word, but he went about doing things his own way. He was foolish. He built on the sand. But what happened? And the rain fell and the floods came. And the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Same situation, the winds, the floods, and the rain, but that house fell, and it was, it was terrible. It was tragic. You know, the same work went into building both houses, didn't it? <laughs> You're going to live your life anyway. You're going to struggle and strive and, 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 and the same challenges and, and priorities and situations are going to come. You're going to build a house one way or the other. Why not build on the rock? Tavana and I were watching a show on, I don't know, one of those shows she likes that I don't even tune into those channels. Um, 60 Minutes, I think. But they were talking about uh, a skyscraper in San Francisco this is maybe a month ago, and it's been there for a while. It was, 
It was uh, sold as one of the greatest achievements of, of, of the city, you know, and, and it's where everybody wants to live. They paid millions and millions of dollars for these tiny little, well, I don't know, just whatever size apartments on that in that building. But <laughs> it showed a couple, and these men rolled a marble across their floor, and it rolled back to them. And they had left and took a millions of dollars of loss in the selling of their their place. So this building is so perfectly constructed is leaning, and they got to figure out what to do about it. And of course, the taxpayers are probably going to have to pay for this private venture, right? The point that got to me on this thing was they talked about the construction of it. You know, they went with eighty with concrete pillars. 80 feet down into the ground. Eight, like an eight-story building underground to hold this thing up. You know what the problem was, though? They didn't hit the bedrock. It was built on the sand. And the solution, after spending millions of dollars to figure out the way to answer, well, you need to go on down to the rock. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Every answer you need is in the Bible. <laughs> but they need more than that. In San Francisco, that's exactly what they need. They need to go down to the rock. Not just with that building, but in their spiritual life. And in, and everybody needs that. We need Jesus Christ as our foundation. And we need Him to be at the center of everything that we do. And I just wanted to to talk about Thanksgiving again. We did a Thanksgiving message and now I want to do thanks, being thankful after Thanksgiving because it should never stop, especially for the Christian. And as we enter into the Christmas season now, we want to remember to keep Jesus, keep Christ in Christmas. Isn't that what the bumper sticker says? And we need to make it more than just a bumper sticker, but we need to find a way to be that light the salt and the light, and throughout the... I love Christmas. I don't care what people say. Of course it's commercialized. The world is a fallen world. But when any time they'll take a month out to sing songs and mention Jesus and, and do all these wonderful things, then I think we as Christians should embrace it and be trying to find a way in every situation to include Him and to make sure that people remember you know, not being, not being religious, you know, or haughty or the person nobody wants to be around because they're, oh, oh, that's the religious guy. No, but just find a way to, to let people see you thanking God for everything in this situation and pointing back to him and including him in our celebrations and decorations and everything. Tavana and I, we, we, uh, I just decorated yesterday and she said, can we just keep it simple this year because we have a beautiful nativity set that's about this high. And so we set that and just put a spotlight on it. And then I just put a single string of lights on the house and, uh, and then the, a sign that says Jesus is the reason for the season. And that's all we did. And we have a Christmas tree showing through the window. But I like it in its simplicity. Sometimes I think I've overdone it in the past. 
<laughs> and uh, so anyway, thank God uh, for you guys and love y'all and and uh, I hope everyone will remember and teach others just to be mindful of their blessings, be thankful during this time and and not self-centered and just focus on the Lord and being a blessing and and helping others to to know him. Amen. Amen. All right. Father, thank you for this.